So the godly person who has the wisdom of years, they have a crown of glory. Now, I love that. And I'm here to tell you, if you're older, if you're like, man, I'm just coming to faith now. Well, guess what? You have a ton of time. Walk in the way of righteousness. Lead in the way of righteousness. If you're younger right now, listen, you want to walk in the way of righteousness now so that you would have that crown of glory later. In today's message, Pastor Daniel encourages you to walk in the ways of your Lord now, no matter what age you are. Learn all you can about him and his heart for the world. Find him in each page of scripture and apply what you learn in your everyday activities. Then when someone asks you for godly wisdom down the road, you'll have an answer that's been seasoned by years of faithful and fruitful dependence on the Lord. Now here's Pastor Daniel in Revelation chapter 1 as he begins his message, Seeing Jesus. So I remember when Lynn and I first moved here to the Pacific Northwest about 10 years ago. There's lots of things we really, really love about the Northwest. But one of the things that caught our attention almost immediately was the amazing coffee and the culture of coffee that there is here in the Northwest. And, you know, before I moved here, I actually only drank decaf because you could imagine Fusco on caffeine. But very quickly when I got here, there was this like, everyone, hey, let's go to coffee. And it was just all this, you know, what we would call boutique coffee. And I remember just being like, this is amazing. And so I was like, man, I need to upgrade like what we do for coffee at home. And people were like, well, listen, you can get these like, beakers and you know like people like they you put on like a chemist outfit to make coffee in the morning you know they have scales and and that's a little bit too extreme for me in that moment so I ended up getting this espresso maker where you just you press a button and it comes out and it was super cool and it is super cool except you get in some trouble and all you have to do is press a button it's just like you know and so with what's been going on in my home you know this week you know with our son Obadiah having broken his ankle and leg and he got his surgery this week me and Lynn have been kind of taking shifts kind of being with Obadiah at night and and so obviously when that starts happening obviously the coffee consumption can go up pretty quickly you know and so it was so funny just the other day I came downstairs because I've been taking the first shift and then Lynn would kind of relieve me at the second shift and I came downstairs and she's so you know we'd start talking and she's like I don't know how much coffee I've had today and she's like, and I'm kind of scared to open up the little drawer because, you know, you'll know how much coffee I have by how many pucks are in there, you know, like the little cups. And so me and Lynn are standing there. And so I'm like, okay, well, let's look. And I'm like, we literally stood there. She's like, I don't want it because if there's three pucks in there, I can't have any more. And, you know, like we're having this discussion. And so sure enough, we like, we pull the thing out and there's only two pucks in there. And so Lynn is like, yay. And then, but when we did that, I'm like, this is what the book of Revelation is all about. You see how I did this? This is so good. Because the word revelation, apocalypsis, literally means to open up a package to see what's inside. Right? And so, like, we're literally opening up this little coffee grounds drawer to see what's inside. And in a lot of ways, 
This is, and I'm going to say this over and over and over again in this series, the key to the book of Revelation is to make sure that we are unpacking and understanding who is Jesus. It's not necessarily a book about who the beast is or what the mark is. What I have seen in my time as a pastor in church is that the book of Revelation goes off the rails right as they make it about it's the revelation of the end times. Because that's not the primary purpose of the book. The end times is the context for the revelation of Jesus. When I look at what's going on in our world and also within what's going on in the present day church, I actually believe that some of the church's desire to be caught up in conspiracy theories is actually rooted in a misinterpretation of the book of Revelation that's been going on in evangelicalism for like 50 years. Because what you want to do is you want to say, I want certainty about the future that is scary. So I'm going to interpret the book of Revelation to give me certainty about the future. And I'm here to tell you, there are all sorts of things that are uncertain about the future, except for the fact that Jesus holds it in his hands. There are all sorts of things about the future we do not know. But what we do know is that Jesus can be trusted with our futures. And so... My premise as a Bible teacher, not only in the book of Revelation, but at all times is, what does this teach us about who Jesus is? Because if you could get your eyes on Jesus, we can learn these ideas in the book of Revelation, but you realize that no matter what happens, this is still all about revealing Jesus. And it keeps us from being salty with everybody instead of the salt and light Jesus called us to be. There's this meme going around the internet, so funny. It's like Jesus said, I called you to be salt of the earth. I didn't ask you to be salty with everyone on the earth. It's a good one, isn't it? Yeah. And so we need to make sure that as we're moving through the book of Revelation, as we're moving through life, Jesus, just like Lynn and I wanted to see how many pucks of espresso grounds are in there. Every day is a day for Jesus to unpack for you, for me, who he is, what he's all about, who we are and how he wants to change us. And the book of Revelation, it is the revelation of Jesus Christ. So let's let him unpack himself for us today. So we haven't gotten very far. Open your Bibles, Revelation chapter 1. Third message here in Revelation chapter 1. We're going to be picking up in verse 12. So if you didn't bring, if you brought a Bible with you, open up. Last book in your Bible, very last book. The book of Revelation. If you're like, hey, I don't really like holding books or whatever, just pull out your phone, pull out your device. If it's got intelligence, type in Revelation 1, 12 to 20. We're going to read along and study together. Some of you have notebooks and you're scribbling. And I'm just aware now that we're, as we're in this series, I feel so woefully inadequate as a teacher in the midst of this, primarily because there's so many, like I'm leaving so much information on the cutting room floor in each of these messages because there's so many different ways to approach this book and there's so much in there. There's so much in there that even if I did... 100 messages on Revelation 1, I'm not going to be able to bring out all the nuances of what is in there. You know, there's just so many ways. I mean, you could just approach it from like the book of Revelation has got over a thousand references or allusions to the Old Testament. So I could do a whole study of just like 
Look at this verse and look at this verse in the Old Testament. And just like, we could do that for years together. Just that. Just how the Old Testament is revealed in the book of Revelation. And that doesn't even include like, how do you do it academically? Do you talk about human nature? Do you talk about biblical, you know, uh, you know, Trinitarian theology? What does this teach us about who God is? Like I mentioned how the greeting is from the Father, Son, and Spirit, but then now you have like the Father saying, I'm the first and last. Jesus is saying, I'm the first and last. Like there's so much in this that literally we could spend our whole time. And so I'm aware that I'm just leaving so much on the cutting room floor for you all. And I'm so sorry. There's a part of me that wants to give you like, how many of you saw the Disney Get Back documentary where it's like eight hours of the Beatles writing Let It Be? Am I the only one who watched it? Three of us watched it, right? And I watched it because I love the Beatles and I love music and I wanted to see it all. But after it was over, I'm like, man, like that was just a lot of them arguing about like what chord they should play or goofing off while they drink. But in some ways, I want to teach the book of Revelation like that documentary where it's like, I just give you all of it and we just spend forever just doing this. So I realize and I feel inadequate on like, what do I leave on the cutting room floor? But let's jump on in. Verse 12, it says, chapter one, then I turned to see the voice that spoke with me And having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the seven lampstands, one like the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to his feet and girded about his chest with a golden band. His head and his hair were white like wool, as white as snow. And his eyes like a flame of fire. And his feet, verse 15, were like fine brass as it refined as if refined in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters, he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was like the sun shining in its strength. Now, what we learn right here is, of course, Jesus is different than you'd expect. Because really here we have John the Apostle, John the Revelator, John the Apocalypticist is seeing this vision of Jesus. But like when you ask yourself like, what does Jesus look like? You don't expect the vision that John sees. I mean, for most of us, especially, you know, I I, I share this message, it's 2022 and most artistic renderings of Jesus, Jesus looks a little bit like a, you know, like a kind of the Roman idyllic figure of a man and a little bit of Fabio or whatever, you know, it's like, and I I don't, I I don't, I say that kind of cheekily, but it's still true. It's like, you know, people like, they're like, man, Jesus had like blonde hair and blue eyes or maybe brown hair. And when someone says that Jesus was more Mediterranean looking with dark skin and dark hair, people still kind of, you know, they can't imagine how Jesus didn't use Vidal Sassoon because all these renderings from the Renaissance of Jesus, he's got this flowing hair. But what's amazing here is this vision is not what you expect. And in a lot of ways, as Jesus unpacks himself for each one of us, as we move through life, Jesus reveals himself to us in unexpected ways. He's got characteristics that are not what we would expect in the journey. And in a lot of ways, that's what makes the journey with Jesus so awesome and so beautiful is that no matter how well you know him or how well you've walked with him, he's always revealing himself in fresh ways, teaching us amazing things. 
And so like, it's amazing because John, you know, he's in the spirit. It's on the Lord's day. He hears this voice like a trumpet and then he turns to see who is it who's speaking to me? And he sees Jesus in this glorified state. Now, what I'm going to do now is I'm going to take all of these different attributes of Jesus that John looks at. And we're going to talk about them because I came so close to going on Google and just downloading like all these different photos of this, like all the artistic renderings of this little imagery. And, I, and then I realized you can do that on your own if you're, if you're feeling you know, like you want to see that. But really, all of these different attributes that John brings out teach us different things about the personality of Jesus, about his ministry. And so we're going to kind of go through them. Now, normally I'd give you like certain scriptures, but literally I have four pages of Old Testament scripture references in my notes. So, so I'm going I'm to highlight certain things and we're going to talk about them. So notice first, it says... And having turned, I saw these seven golden lampstands, and in the midst of the seven lampstands, one like the Son of Man. Now, we're going to get to the lampstands in just a second, but if you go right to verse 20, it says that the seven lampstands are the seven churches, which we find that these letters are written to, and we're going to get to them in chapter 2 and 3. So if you don't like suspense, I didn't leave you with it. It's these seven churches that they get seven letters, but we'll talk about that in a little bit, right? But in the midst of these seven lampstands, of course, there's one like the Son of Man. So don't miss the fact that Jesus is in the midst of the church. Like, that's the point. Like, where two or three are gathered together in my name, he is what? In our midst. Now, the beauty of that is you don't have to come to church to be a part of church because church is anywhere where Jesus is present and where people are present in his name. But there is something super powerful when you are in the presence of more than just a couple people and Jesus is in our midst. It's one of the reasons why as a church family, we prioritize times of worship. And I'm so grateful for our amazing worship creative arts ministry, our worship leaders like Pastor Mikey and Channing and Hannah and Courtney and Amira. I mean, because they lead us in praising Jesus. And one of my big prayers for us as a church family in this year of revelation is that we would be the kind of person who crave the presence of Jesus. And when we gather together and when we scatter, we are people who live just longing for his presence, wanting, inviting his presence into our lives. Because I'm here to tell you, Jesus is in your midst if you are part of church. If you are part of that called out group of people, he dwells in your heart. So he's always with us. So it's about us being aware of his presence so he's in the midst of the seven lamps and these, these seven churches. And then it says, he's clothed in a garment. It's in the middle of verse 13, down to his feet. And he was girded about the chest with a golden band. Now, we might not understand this reference, but no doubt this shows Jesus in his priestly robe because the priests in Jesus's day would be dressed in this way. And the golden band, the high girding was a mark of dignity that, was, that the high priest had, according to Josephus. So really we see Jesus as a priest, the mediator for the covenant of God with people. Now, of course, we talked about last week about how we're all priests. Remember that? How many of you walked around and asked people to call you father or sister this week? You know, I hope you didn't, but you know what I mean? It's like that idea that, that God invites us to be a part of the work of mediation. Jesus does all the work, but we proclaim that work into the world. Remember I told you that priests, they stand before God in the presence of people. 
on, on behalf of people, and then stand before people on behalf of God. That's the role. And that's what all of us do, whether we are conscious of it or not, whether we do a good, faithful job of it or not. That's what we are. And so here we see, of course, Jesus is the great high priest. He's the priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek, if you know that reference. But we see here Jesus with this priestly apparel. Now, not only that, and I could talk about that for about 40 minutes if I just let myself, but we're going to keep moving because there's a lot of things here. His head, this is verse 14, and hair were white like wool, as white as snow. So now you have this idea that his head and hair are gloriously white. And of course, there's the two pictures of both wool and snow. Yesterday in my home state of New Jersey, they got like a foot of snow. My sisters are sending me pictures of like, they're just whited out, foot of snow. And I'm like, hey, when John saw Jesus, his head and hair looked just like this. Now, What's beautiful, of course, is when you think of the idea of hair that is white, of course, we think of the wisdom of years. Can all the people with the wisdom of years say amen? Amen. That's right. Now, we live in a culture that doesn't value the wisdom of years like other cultures do. And in Jesus' culture, those who were older were revered. Of course, it says in, in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 31, the silver-headed head, the silver-haired head is a crown of glory if it is found in the way of righteousness. Now, I love that. Because you notice that it says, this, like the white-haired head is the crown of glory if it is found in the way of righteousness. What that means is you can have years but no wisdom if it's not found in the way of righteousness. So the godly person who has the wisdom of years, they have a crown of glory. Now, I love that. And I'm here to tell you, if you're older, if you're like, man, I'm just coming to faith now. Well, guess what? You have a ton of time. Walk in the way of righteousness. Lead in the way of righteousness. If you're younger right now, listen, you want to walk in the way of righteousness now so that you would have that crown of glory later. I'm amazed. I always like, I have gray coming in all over the place now. And people are like, I hope it's wisdom. I'm like, yeah, me too. (laughs) Like, I never thought I would get gray. I never thought I would get older. You know, you just don't think about it when you're younger. But it happens. And so we want to be the people that are found in that way of righteousness. Now, not only is his head and hair, you know, it's a reference to obviously Jesus is the full embodiment of wisdom, but it also, you know, that reference, the idea of it being like snow, obviously, it implies kind of uh, purity, and Jesus, the example, is the ultimate example of purity. He always did those things that please his father. So Jesus has this embodiment of both wisdom and purity as signified by this hair. It's like wool. You know, and you see the symbolic language. His hair is like wool. It's saying, well, does Jesus have like a wool head? No, he's not wearing a wool hat. It's like it's, he's using symbolic language. Right now, from there, of course, it moves from his the white of his hair and his head to his eyes were like a flame of fire. Now, there's a number of references, of course, uh, Daniel chapter 10, verse 6 speaks of this as well. This vision he has of, of the Son of Man of Jesus, his eyes are as a you know, like torches of fire, it says. And the eyes of fire is really a metaphor for, for judgment. It's a metaphor for judgment. Obviously, you know, uh, God is going to, you know, judge the world, you know, with fire. And then, of course, you have this idea of the purifying gaze of Jesus. Because if you think of the refiner's fire, remember, 
we go and buy jewelry, and some of you make jewelry, but anybody who makes jewelry with precious metals know that you have to heat up the precious metal, which will make it, the solid will be liquid, and then when you heat up the right amount, then the impurities come to the surface, and the refiner will take the impurities out and then cool it back down and shape it. Right, And so Jesus, his eyes have this work of both judgment and also the, his penetrating insight that purifies us. See, this is why it is so important for you and I to spend time in the presence of Jesus. Because when you look into the eyes of Jesus, his perfection and his purity rubs off on us. I don't know how many times, like maybe me and Lynn will have a funky interaction, not because of her, because of me, you know, and I'll go to pray and Jesus would be like, yeah, why don't you go apologize to Lynn for being like that? And then at that point I'd be like, oh, come on, Lord, you know, but like, you know how that goes. It's like, you got to go fix that. And it's really hard to keep long-term feuds going when you get into the presence of the Lord, because he's like, I died for reconciliation. So what are you holding on to? But again, what we do is we have a tendency to want to hold on to our hurts and not let Jesus transform those hurts. And I'm not saying that things don't hurt. And I'm not saying that we always do everything wrong. But Jesus, in his presence, he does this work of refining us. And the beauty of the Christian faith is not that you're going to get everything right all the time. But as you continue to follow Jesus, Jesus is going to purify your way. Because his eyes are like fire. His insight into not only your behaviors, but the depths of your soul, who you are, why you're that way. He wants to share that with you. But I'm here to tell you, nobody can do it for you. It's like your relationship with Jesus is your own. I talk to couples about that when they're getting married. They say, what do you think? I'm like, well, listen, marriage can be challenging. Because you're getting married to the person as they are. And then for the rest of your lives, you're going to be together. And who knows how they're going to grow? Are they going to grow closer to Jesus? Are they going to grow away from Jesus? Like, you just don't know what's going to happen. And they're like, well, then what should you do? I'm like, well, you should make sure that you know what you're getting into and God's called you to it. And then you need to get into the presence of God every single day so that you grow in all the right ways. Because not only do you have to worry about your spouse, they got to worry about you. they got to worry about you walking, you growing. And a spouse can't have a relationship with Jesus for their significant other. You're responsible for your walk with Jesus. You know, I want to encourage you, reading through the Bible together. Every single morning, I so love, like I would be reading the Bible anyway, but I want to read what the church is reading, right? And I I just, like literally this morning, we were reading Exodus chapter 22 to 25, the end of, of Matthew 20. I just let the Lord, the Lord's talking about all the greatness in serving. That was our passage in Matthew 20. It's such a beautiful passage. And I'm like, okay, Lord, I want to be a servant. Open up those doors for me to serve today. Show me where I can serve today. Even though I memorized the scripture, I know the scripture, I've taught the scripture. But today's the day to walk in the scripture. Again, let his eyes that are like fire and his penetrating insight do the work of refining you. Jesus is Jesus is perfect. He is powerful, merciful, and worthy of all praise and admiration. Today, Pastor Daniel invited you to see Jesus as John did at the beginning of Revelation, as pure as snow, with eyes like fire. That fire refines us. It draws out the sin that is corrupting our lives. 
It can change how you live, how you interact with others. Let the fire of the Lord touch your heart and burn away all the impurities. Hey everybody, Pastor Daniel here. I just want to say thank you for tuning in. I'm so stoked you're a listener of Jesus' Real Radio, and I know Jesus has amazing plans for you. I'd love to hear the story of how God's working in your life. Give us a call here at Jesus' Real Radio at 360-256-4655 or email me at real at danielfusco.com. We're so glad we can be a part of your life through the ministry of Jesus' Real Radio. Would you like to be a part of what we're doing? We would like to ask that you prayerfully consider becoming a financial partner of this program. Your contribution, no matter the size, will be used to reach people with the gospel message. Find out more at JesusIsRealRadio.com. Just click on Give. Thank you for partnering with us. Next time on Jesus Is Real Radio, Pastor Daniel will continue to describe Jesus as the Apostle John witnessed him. The pure white hair and the eyes of refining fire. Now you'll get to see the feet of refined brass. Brass is used throughout the Bible as a representation of deliverance. He has the good news for those in sin and he's coming back one day soon to redeem the world. You've been listening to Jesus is Real Radio with Pastor Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. Pastor Daniel will continue teaching through this series called The Revelation of Jesus Christ next time. Until then, may God bless.